0: We're not financial advisors. We have no idea how this is going to play out. We are financial interested parties who are interested to watch and entertain those who are also interested to watch with us. Voyeurs. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we are financial voyeurs. Yeah, that is yeah. our new official type.
1: Oh, God.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast. I'm Brent Philbin. We're here today with Kareem Baruke and, of course, Adam Levy, and we're going to be discussing whether or not Bitcoin is a safe haven asset. We're in a tumultuous time, and there are definitely arguments to be made for finding a safer place to store your money, and if you're here, Listening to us, you may believe that Bitcoin is one of those places. Is it or is it not is a question that is on a lot of people's minds, but we are actually going to delve into the statistics behind this, the reasons behind this, and the conclusions that some have drawn as to whether Bitcoin is or is not correlated. You're going to find me eating some crow in this episode, thinking that I'm all that and making statements and then not sticking up to them which of course you'll find in all kinds of crypto basic podcast episodes but more importantly you're going to find Kareem's well-informed guided research on this topic and then you're going to find Adam's commentary on it as well. This is kind of the new way we're going to be doing these this content as we explained in the last episode. Our last episode that we released was about stablecoins and the G20 coming up with what they think is an answer to them, what they believe people should be asking, and they kind of make a decision on whether or not they're an existential threat. At the beginning of that episode, I do go over kind of how content is going to be going forward. So go check that out if you want to know that. That's our last episode. That was episode number 233. Coming up in the near future, very near future, we've got an episode on. The oil crash, where oil went negative. I realize that's not a cryptocurrency. We tied in a little bit to crypto, but it was so interesting from a financial perspective that we wanted to talk about it. And then we also talk about how things could be different in a pandemic world under blockchain in the episode after that. So we've got some really cool episodes coming out over the next week. Stay tuned and you're going to really enjoy them. But for now, let's learn about whether it's actually safe. To be in Bitcoin as a safe haven asset. It's episode number 234 of the Crypto Basic podcast. Can't believe we're that many episodes in, and it's time to get into it.
2: All right. Welcome back to Crypto Basic. And this is Kareem again with Brent. What's up? And Adam Levy. Hey, everyone. What's going on? So I came across a little story report here that I wanted to discuss with you guys. And this comes from the Kansas City Federal Reserve. All right. Ooh. Wait. Yeah, Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas City Fed, Brent. Kansas City, <laughs> Kansas is uh not the Kansas City Fed. <laughs> no, but all kidding around aside, guys, this really caught my eye because it's something that I think. Uh, We get a lot of discussion and a lot of questions and ideas about what is Bitcoin really? Like a lot of us have different value propositions for Bitcoin, but there's still debate whether Bitcoin is a safe haven asset, whether it's a risk asset, whether it's a hedge against inflation or possibly just something completely new, right? We hear a lot of arguments about its network values. So this was titled uh, Safe Haven Performance in the age of Bitcoin, I actually enjoyed reading it quite a bit. I, I put, uh, obviously, a link in the show notes, and uh, I recommend it. It's, it's interesting to look at. But Before was- you get
0: too into it, I will say this is the thing that excites me the most about the next year. I'm scared shitless about half of what's going on and the things that are going to happen to everybody and all the things that are going to change. And I'm definitely worried about our personal privacy being attacked, as always happens, as Kareem is familiar with every time he travels. The <laughs> in in times of scared, scared people. But what I will say is I'm interested to see how this plays out. There's a lot of theory behind this. I can't wait to hear the theory in this episode, in this section. And I can't wait to see it in practice a year from now. I will would love to do a just anniversary of this episode and go over what has happened so far. It'll be interesting.
2: Well, it's pretty interesting here because more so than just predicting, Brent, this is taking a historical analysis, and I wanted to answer a specific question. So actually, I put a quote in here directly from the Fed that kind of puts their premise lower, let's say the area of study. And it goes, quote, In recent years, some have questioned whether Bitcoin could also serve as a safe haven. We compare the behavior of government bonds, gold, and Bitcoin from January 1995 through February 2020. And we'll go into a little bit more detail about why they put those dates. That actually makes kind of sense. I was but- <laughs> going to say 1995, Bitcoin's
0: lumped in. It's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little early.
2: No, 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 no. It, it actually makes a lot of sense. And the premise, of course, of the article is, look, we know historically that during times of stress, people are going to flee to save heaven assets. This is uh, kind of logical. So you
1: get to uh, you get the 1999 uh, boom or crash, and then you get the 2008 crash.
2: We're gonna get the 2008 crash, and they talk also about what just happened right now with the coronavirus. So this Ooh. was actually pretty well done, and it's looking at all three different periods, and it's breaking down into different periods of stress. So again, the premise here is we know that during periods of stress, people flee. To these assets because they want safety, right? So let's see how the quote-unquote quintessential safety asset, which they describe as the 10-year treasury bond for the US, right? Then they look at gold, which of course is another popular safe haven asset. And then we look at Bitcoin. So one of the most important questions that needs to be answered is how do they define safe haven, right? If we're going to answer the question, is it a safe haven asset? We need to understand what safe haven even means, and in this case, they're using a definition that comes from uh, a previous paper that was published, I think, in 2010. That was looking at gold, whether or not gold was a safe asset, and they define it in this way: an asset which is uncorrelated or negatively correlated with riskier assets during times of stress. Okay,
0: that I agree with that definition. That is a that is a pretty good definition. That I I do not believe they have misrepresented.
2: Perfect. So we can continue from there.
0: Yeah. Now that they they have my seal of approval.
2: (laughs) Well, I I think they're going to get a second seal of approval because this is how they frame the hypothesis. You know, I do feel like there's a lot of negativity in the space when it comes to anything governmental. So it's almost like, well, if it comes from the Fed, we can't trust it. If it comes from the G20, as we discussed before, you can't trust it, right? So that's obviously excessive because these people are also professionals and they're going to frame do good papers also and do good research. Here's how they frame Bitcoin and why they are testing it in relation to gold and treasuries. Quote, in theory, Bitcoin's fixed supply and algorithm-based issuance should allow it to be independent from traditional markets, which could make it a desirable asset in times of economic stress. Ooh. Which is a fair proposition, right? Yeah. That is what we're saying. In theory... Bitcoin's fixed supply should give it this kind of quality. But now we're actually examining whether the 10-year treasury note and gold and Bitcoin, how they actually correlated with the daily returns of the S&P. We're using the S&P 500 as a proxy here, right? But it's a fair proxy. S&P 500 is a bundle of companies. We can look at their performance. And it essentially serves as a abstract figure for how our securities performing. On a regular basis, we look at that daily rate of return and compare the correlation of gold to that daily return and the correlation of the 10 year treasury bond to that daily return.
0: Interesting. So So I, I will stop you real quick. I have a good friend who I've told him before when we've been arguing about this kind of thing. I said, you he's a big gold guy. Right. And I say, I think you believe in gold for the same reasons that I believe in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And he thinks I'm insane. And like, you know, there's there's different pieces of the the puzzle where you'll run into resistance when I'm trying to kind of explain that once I start with such a ridiculous hypothesis in his mind, he might not actually listen to the pieces that are correlated. But, you know, I've been chipping away at that. Uh, I've been chipping away at that. I mean, it
1: literally has been explained to be
0: Bitcoin. depending on where we go in this episode. I might make it required listening for him to continue arguing with me. So if you know who you are, if you're listening to this episode, you know exactly who you are. Does it I begin with a anything.
1: C?
2: Well, no, so no, no, here's, I, uh, You guys
0: don't know him. but You guys oh, don't know okay. him. But,
2: but guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the light. And unfortunately, this might be a little bit of a spoiler. But you know that sometimes we like to bring things that challenge our own views. Uh-oh. So this might be required listening. You shouldn't, or, have, spelled, you shouldn't have said that. Might be <laughs> required, <laughs> it. it might be your required listening. And also, Adam, I know that Bitcoin has been described as digital gold, absolutely, by people in our space which share our views. Uh, but the question is, is it really or does it really? Now, before we keep going, I want to make it clear and I want to remind all of us that this isn't asking the question, does Bitcoin have value? And this isn't asking the question, does Bitcoin have a future or will Bitcoin go up? This is specifically challenging the premise that Bitcoin behaves like a safe haven asset in a time of stress. That people think to themselves, wow, I want something really safe. I want to make sure that my money uh, isn't swinging around with the stock market. Therefore, I'm going to buy a bond. Therefore, I'm going to buy gold. And the question is, do people buy Bitcoin for that reason? Well, I...
1: I do want to just like kind of – I'm going to take a swipe at it. I I love it. Yes. Let's do it. I think that the past – like a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago with coronavirus, when things were – everyone was in full panic, Bitcoin was very tied to the market. And I think for the most part, the past month, month and a half, it has been, which doesn't seem very good to be kind of a store of value. You want it to kind of be – I would assume you want it to go conversely, correct? like well, or not but maybe more well, just be chilling
2: listen if we want to categorize it as a as a safe haven asset then we would want it to have kind of a negative correlation to yeah. the return of the stock market but maybe we don't want it to be a safe haven asset right because maybe bitcoin is something else and that's why it's really interesting and actually i would love to kind of take a diversion and talk about the differences between gold and bitcoin but maybe we could do that after we finish kind of the breakdown from the fed I think that it will not be a safe haven
1: asset just simply because of its volatility.
2: Okay. So I put here a chart that you guys can look at. Now, of course, the audience can't see this, but here is- They can if they go to CryptoBasicPodcast.com and check the show notes. There you go. If they go to the show notes, Brent's going to put it in there, or they can go straight to the link from the report, but it shows the historic correlation- of the 10-year treasury of gold Bitcoin across the entire sample. Now, why did they pick those years going back to 1995 to 2020? The answer, Brent, is because they wanted an equal amount of time post-Bitcoin and pre-Bitcoin. Okay. Oh. So they wanted to look at a sample that looked at how did these assets perform before Bitcoin came into the picture. And let's see also if their behavior changed after Bitcoin came into the picture, right? Now that there's a new, quote-unquote, safe haven asset possibility. Okay. So here's what... The Fed found the 10 year Treasury and gold had negative statistically significant correlations with the SP 500. So, both of those assets did have the properties of a safe haven asset. But what was interesting is the 10 year Treasury bond was always a negative correlation and a significant negative correlation during times of stress. Gold was occasionally, like sometimes gold behaves as a safe haven asset and sometimes it didn't. Bitcoin never registered a quote-unquote statistically significant negative correlation. So essentially, even up to maybe you kind of uh, said this yourself, Adam, that it seemed to be behaving with the market, and you had observed that before as well, Brent. Well, at least for the life of Bitcoin, this observes two things. Number one, we saw that the performance or the let's say the correlation of the treasuries and the correlation of gold didn't change. So it's not like Bitcoin came in to shake that up. And secondly, Bitcoin never registered a correlation that would make it considered a safe haven asset. So regardless of people's opinions, and we haven't seen the full history of Bitcoin play out and there's still a lot to be observed, but up until now, Bitcoin is exhibiting the behavior of a risk asset, not a safe haven asset.
0: Okay, well, that actually, so that makes sense. We, we talk about how risky uh, cryptocurrency in general and even Bitcoin are, and we've always talked about what we want to see happen in a situation like this. Um, I will say that I would be interested to see the correlation between Bitcoin and the 10-year treasury and Bitcoin and gold rather than the correlation between Bitcoin and the S&P 500 over the period leading up to the stress. Now, the stress is, this is such a, even though we could have predicted some of the things that are going to eventually possibly lead to a recession slash depression, we couldn't predict what would happen with COVID-19. So that is black swanny enough that I would like to see the correlation of the last eight years of the 10-year treasury versus Bitcoin and if there is anything at all. And I suspect, and I'm guessing here completely, that it's uncorrelated, depending on how you look at it. So it probably, or uncorre, or at least no significant correlation to tenure Treasury and no significant correlation to gold, but would probably be on the positive side to both of them, if yes. I'm guessing.
2: So one more thing to add here is if if you guys click on the report, they go into more depth where they didn't just look at the period as a whole, but they use a certain index. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it's like an established index to... Figure out what is considered a period of financial stress, right? And they compared the volatility or the correlation of the assets, both in periods of non stress and in periods of heavy financial stress. So you're right, it is a black swan event. I have it right here. It's called the Kansas City Financial Stress Index. Oh, so they used their own index. I guess that makes sense. (laughs) But essentially, they looked at it as let's look at the correlation during periods of high stress and periods of no stress. And see if maybe the correlation became more palpable during the periods of stress. So the treasury bond was negatively correlated to the market almost across the board, especially during periods of stress. Gold became more negatively correlated during some periods of stress, not so much during periods of no stress. And Bitcoin was basically not statistically significant, but generally correlated positively with the market. Okay. Right? This also makes a lot of sense, guys. Because let's be real, Bitcoin, like a lot of the money that goes into cryptocurrency, is speculative money. Yes. It's not like it's not like somebody has a portfolio. A lot of my, people that are like, "Oh, I have so much money in stocks, and now the stock market's so volatile. Let me take a bunch of my portfolio and put it into Bitcoin so that it's not <laughs> so volatile." People aren't doing that. Yeah. What's happening is that. It's people like us who believe that this is going to go up in value, buy it, expecting it to have a super high volatility, high delta, because it's going to go up all this amount because we've seen it be one of the most volatile assets of our lifetime and the best performing asset of our lifetime. So it does become a little greedy then for us to be like, yeah, but it's also the safest (laughs) asset (laughs) of (laughs) our (laughs) lifetime. It gets all of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Listen, the number of people that I've told like, you know, when they asked me about investing in crypto, I, I'm like, look, I invest too much of my net worth into crypto. I 100% understand that. I have a ridiculously high risk tolerance compared to the normal human. That and I don't know that that's smart, but I have it. So I don't mind investing more of my net worth into crypto. But I know there is a very real possibility that it goes to zero. Like zero, stone zero, which is not really a possibility on buying the S&P 500 or buying the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Like th- it may tank, but going to stone zero is basically a non-possibility.
1: I, I do think that until it is a, I mean, I don't think Bitcoin will ever be regulated, but the problem is the crypto space doesn't just has had way too much in it going on where there's been like you know there's always insider trading on some level i'm sure there's a lot of big dumps there's pumping dumps there's all these different things it's just hard to have yeah, a safe haven asset in the real finance for no and uh, fair but with gold,
0: looking at you bitch
1: but it's just hard to have a safe haven asset with all those things going on and just the way that the volatility to be honest and also i think that a lot of people, like you said, are getter that are buying Bitcoin or people that already have extra money to spend on it. They're not necessarily being like they're not like like a Brent. Most of them that are like that advanced that are like, all right, I'm going to hold this as a store value. It's going to go up. We're going to have, you know, a large portion in, you know, yeah, of my if, savings. Even
2: the people like Brent, even the people like Brent, it's he knows it's a high risk gamble. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. a. It wasn't a play to reduce his risk exposure. It was a play to take more risk and increase his prof possible rewards, you
1: know. Exactly. And I just want to finish that the comment off by saying that those people in times of stress for the economy, whatever, they will pull that money out a lot of times. And they because they just need cash or they need this. So it's like I just don't think that we're there yet as far as a
2: safe haven. This is interesting in the direction that it goes because we could think about assets in different ways. So I do think I'm going to add as a little defense of Bitcoin that there is, let's say one more scenario where I could see Bitcoin increasing here in its value in relation to the treasury note. But I want to talk about gold a little bit. And this is like not an attack of Bitcoin or anything, but I do think that there has to be a defense of gold made where like, a lot of people in the crypto space, I feel, underestimate what gold is. Almost as if like people, the reason gold is valuable is because everybody thinks it's valuable and everybody always thought it was valuable. Therefore, it's valuable and that's it. So like people can just easily shift over to Bitcoin and think, well, now I think Bitcoin is the same valuable, right? And I'll admit that I used to have more of a negative bias about gold because my only exposure to it was like listening to radio commercials on conservative radio, trying to get people to <laughs> you know, buy gold. Uh-huh. Blah, 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 blah. So it just totally felt like a scam, right? But the reality is that gold has certain types of inherent value that are unique. Like the best way I can explain this is we can't make more gold right like regardless of how technologically advanced we get we're now we're making virtual reality and we could be bro we can get to the point where we're uploading our consciousness into stuff but the stuff that we build like the computers we build and the CPUs we build and the devices that we make in order to execute our technology are going to be made of real atoms of the real world and gold atoms have very special properties very unique things about it and it can only be made by a star freaking exploding that's how much energy is required to make gold and all the old gold that we have is gold that exploded billions of years ago and happened to like come on either asteroids or is left on earth and we're trying to extract as much of it it's super valuable it's great at conductivity it doesn't oxidize it doesn't react with other elements right and we can't make it when we try to make it it's unstable and we can't use it so in a very real way, even an alien civilization would probably value gold very highly because it's a, it's a fundamental core element.
0: Bitcoin, on the other hand... Just to point out, even on Star Trek, now in the next generation, they didn't talk about money, but in the next one, Deep Space Nine, there was a race of capitalists called the Ferengi, and they based all of their money around an item called gold-pressed latinum. So even in the far future, they were using gold.
2: Yes, Because the the rules of our game, the rules of our universe are the rules of our universe. You know what I'm saying? And gold is very, very special. Just like other – a couple of elements are very special. You know, uranium, because of what it can do with energy. Well, guess what? Gold has these unique properties. Water is special.
1: I I mean, there's just like certain things, like you said, on planet Earth that are just
0: like like completely tied to it. So the difference between gold and a diamond – is we can make diamonds. <laughs> exactly. And
2: the yeah. reason we can make diamonds is because we don't have to rearrange the atoms in the nuclei. When we're making diamonds, we are just rearranging the shape of carbon atoms, right? Diamonds are really compressed, properly arranged carbon atoms. So we can take a bunch of carbon, press it together. Ha, ah, ha, we got diamonds. Again, to make new gold, you got to freaking smash atoms into each other so hard that the, neutri- the nucleus collide and then you get a supernova. So since we can't make supernovas, <laughs> like you can't make wow, no, with that it. attitude we can't. Not with that so, attitude, we can so, do anything to bring it back to this contrast. And I'm saying this to someone who loves Bitcoin. You guys know I've been one of the biggest proponents of Bitcoin on the show. That I, I love cryptocurrency, but let's compare that with a currency that has been copy pasted four different times, ten different times, and each one has their own unique uh, market cap. Now they can't recreate the same network. I get it. But literally, Bitcoin, Satoshi Vision, Bitcoin Unlimited, Bitcoin Diamond, you just copy-paste to infinity. How are we comparing that to one of the most rare and valuable atoms in the universe? It's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Like Just because we want it to be the same thing doesn't mean it's the same thing.
0: It's true. I understand. The the Bitcoin network currently can't be replicated, can't create more Bitcoin, but the... Yeah, I understand where, the, where this breaks down. And I had another conversation in defense of gold with a different friend where I was saying a lot of the same things because he kind of said, we just value gold because we value gold. And I'm like, no,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're talking about diamonds. We value diamonds <laughs> right. because we value diamonds. They are worthless. But, you know, but gold is not. Gold is very unique.
1: Diamonds yeah. just look cool. Yeah, and they had, had a great marketing, marketing scheme. scheme. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like yeah. a super successful marketing scheme. And that's great. But that's definitely not what happened with gold, you know. Like we use gold for high-end components. Like there are a lot of high tech stuff has gold in it. And our computers have... are using it right now to create this episode. And no joke, there are tons of people who can't wear certain types of jewelry because the materials are too reactive. So like my mom can't have quote unquote a lot of cheap materials, a lot of cheap jewelry that you would use. They make their skin just has allergic reaction. Almost nobody has an allergic reaction to gold because gold isn't reactive. That makes it unique. Even if it's something that we don't really think about, there's a reason why all of these cultures ended up in love with this metal.
0: That is all well and good, Karim, but let's bring it back. Do we think that Bitcoin ever will become a safe asset, or will it always be something different?
2: Okay, so here is the the one kind of shaky thing that I don't think the Kansas Fed would ever talk about. I'm also not saying that this is a high probability event, but it's something to consider, right? What this doesn't take into account at all is the possibility of a hyperinflation of the dollar, right? Because this is talking about the treasury bond as the quintessential safe haven asset. So let's take a quick time out to remember what a bond is. A bond is essentially the government of the United States, well, any government saying, All right, let us borrow $100, and you give them $100, right? And they give you an IOU for $100 plus a little bit of interest. Now, when you're talking about a government like the United States, which is the world's superpower, this is considered the safest asset possible, which is precisely why so much of the world owns dollars. When you guys hear about like, oh, China has all these dollars and they could screw us over. Well, no, China bought all those dollars because they wanted to have dollars because having a debt of the US government is considered pretty safe. Now, if there were an event which strongly shook people's confidence in the value of the dollar, like let's say QE infinity just got worse and worse and worse. It's (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely possible that the value of the dollar would start being seen as going down so quickly that all of a sudden getting a 10-year treasury bond where you're going to get $101 or $103 or $107 back in 10 years is not worthwhile. And all of a sudden, Bitcoin could be seen as something – like we see this in Venezuela, right? Like who would want a Venezuelan bond? Who in their right mind would buy debt from the Venezuelan government knowing that they're going to pay you back in a currency that will be worth – a fraction of what it's worth today. So this is looking at a his, uh, historical period where the United States is a world superpower only, and history changes. And just because the dollar is stable today doesn't mean it always will be stable. And in that scenario, this dynamic could change.
0: Yep. I will say that if you had invested in bonds from Venezuela and cashed <laughs> them in for their money, you might have been in a better situation during this pandemic with toilet paper. So, you know, there's there's that. But (laughs) I also am going to say that I'm uh, definitely this went in a different direction than I thought. So I'm glad I didn't read ahead on this one and therefore have to eat a little bit of crow from the beginning of the episode where I thought we were going to be showing how Bitcoin is very similar to gold in some ways. And instead, we showed kind of the opposite.
2: Yeah, but, you know. I think one uh, possibility is to read this and kind of be disappointed. Another one is to be skeptical because of the source. Like, oh, yeah, the Fed, I'm sure they don't want us to think, right? (laughs) Although I think the numbers here speak for themselves. But the other potential is to remind ourselves that we are dealing with something new. We really don't know what it is. Someday, at some point in history, somebody came up with the first stock company. It didn't exist before. Somebody said in their mind, hey, we could own little pieces of the company. And right. I don't think that the people that invented that really fully understood where that would go and what it really was and what it re- represented. Okay, right. all
0: yeah. the leverage and margin yeah. trading that occurs—it was crazy.
1: And- it's like you—you you invent something, you realize that it's like kind of like the internet spawned social media. Like you could have never predicted. I mean, it kind of makes sense, I guess. You could, maybe you could have predicted it, but like you didn't realize that social media, like Twitter, would somehow change the way that we use internet.
2: hundred you know? percent.
1: And we don't know what's down the road for Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency for the most
2: part. Exactly. We are now in this new thing where people own pieces of a network. It's kind of like we own pieces of companies. Well, now we own pieces of networks. And these networks, some of them are designed for different things, and some of them are capable of different things. And we think they have some kind of value. We definitely put value in them. So I guess comparing it to gold and things like that, these are analogies that make sense in our brain. And maybe sometimes we just have to remember that we don't have to get married to everything and just be open to new information, especially when we're dealing with something new, something that uh, we're all learning about, including the very people who are creating it, right? Like this is new stuff. So anyway, it's, it's an interesting topic. Brent, like you, I thought that it would have a little bit more correlation to safe haven assets, but clearly we were wrong.
1: Yep. Basically, and,
2: uh, I'm the smartest man in the world.
1: I got
0: it right. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be interested to see this play out again. I've I've, I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to say it again now. I don't know if being in crypto is the right answer during this coming crisis. I am, even if I didn't own a single piece of cryptocurrency, I would be super interested to see what happens over the next year or two as this all comes to fruition, because we're in uncharted territory with regard to financial markets and businesses and everything being shut down. So we're in uncharted territory with this asset. We're in uncharted territory with what's going on in the world. And anytime there's uncharted territory, there's opportunity and there's fun to be had.
2: And Brent, and one last thing to add here is even financially, I feel like it's always, always feels like in history, we always have a little bit of a feeling like we got to the end of history, right? Like this happens to every generation everywhere. It just feels like this is what it was all going to. But like, really uncharted territory even historically right like okay we've had financial banks for a while we've had the american empire for a while or whatever we've never had interest rates that are negative almost everywhere you know we've never had like zero interest rates and unlimited like quantitative easing just started and now we're reaching new levels so it just really feels like like a period of history is coming to an end and we're clearly in a transition period to something that is unpredictable but it's but things are changing I mean, yes. These are the periods where you realize you're not in the (laughs) end of history.
1: So I stepped away for a second because you just brought up. uh, So I got this book. It's called The Sovereign Individual. And it was written in 1999. It's mastering the transition to the information age. And it basically, granted, I didn't read all of it because it was just very freaking wordy. But it kept saying that there were going to be events that happened that would change us. Cause we were like in the information age, like it basically said, you know, like 2010, like it predicted that like the next 20 years. And it said that there would be an event that happened that would basically say, this is going to change the way that we live, the way that we kind of like operate. And i I was always like, after reading that, I was like, what is that? Is that Trump? Is it like cryptocurrency? What is it? It's a horoscope, it could be anything. I mean, it just kind of feels like it's probably coronavirus.
2: No, but like also somebody like Peter Schiff, right? The gold guy, he keeps referring to this kind of stuff as like, it's the pin, but the balloon was still blowing up so much that you you knew the balloon was going to pop, right? And let's look at the uh, uh, monetary theory. If we have a system with the central bank and the, in theory, supposedly the way it's supposed to work is that the central bank raises interest rates to slow the economy down And when things get rough, they cut interest rates to stimulate again. All right, sure. And we did that for a couple of decades. We created a bunch of inflation. All all of a sudden, all of these central banks are running out of options. They're all at zero interest rates. A bunch of banks have already gone negative interest rates. You're getting charged to borrow money. It makes absolutely no sense. We're down to zero. We can't cut rates any further. We're dealing with a crisis. This was coming, whether it got started by the coronavirus or a trade war or some terrorist attack somewhere. Like, yes, there are events that change history. But a lot of times there's already momentum in particular directions that can Okay, strain. this is the
1: catalyst.
2: Right. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah, we, we were talking, even on the show, Kareem's been a huge proponent of all the different recession indicators that we've had for, I would say you've been talking about it for at least a year and a half, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And this is just exacerbating that. This may cause it sooner but the things that it's causing exacerbation in were already there.
1: Well, I regardless, so, I just you were talking about that stuff and I just thought that, that it happened that this book was very like specific, like very relevant to what you were saying, and I thought it was interesting and and the coronavirus
2: could just very well be the straw that broke the camel's back kinda, you know. It is. It's a world changing event, you know. And as far as millennials, we are living through our second once in a lifetime crisis, (laughs) literally uh, the most important. uh, I think I think
1: last week I talked about it. I don't think you were on Brent, but or sorry, uh, at some point I mentioned it um, that my dad has never gone through anything like this uh, in his life, and he's seventy now. Like he was like, "This is he, you know, Vietnam War, whatever else, like you know, everything else." 9/11. 9/11. Nope. This is just completely different than anything that that, that the world has ever gone through um, since, I guess, the Spanish flu. If you want to go, there's definitely way.
0: some similarities to 9/11 as far as it being so uh, out of nowhere, so unpredictable, and so like. Actually, I guess it was more predictable than 9/11 because we've been talking about the need to have a pandemic response for a long time. But it will result in some of the same attacks on personal freedom, I think. I, I, I think there's a world where you will have to be registered to go to a sporting events as somebody who has the antibodies for COVID-19 in your body, that kind of thing. Right? By
1: the way, speaking of sporting events, uh, California said yesterday that uh, – or actually, Los Angeles, the mayor, said they don't want to have any large gatherings until 2021. Damn. and That includes sporting events which basically says hey NFL NBA all like and if those start tumbling and they they have to wait till 2021 to do anything that is also just another domino but yeah i mean just yeah good luck having a festival well i think that's a good spot to wrap it
0: up with doom and gloom for everybody Woo. <laughs> yeah remember we're not financial advisors we have no idea how this is going to play out we are financial Interested parties who are interested to watch and entertain those who are also interested to watch with us.
2: Voyeurs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That we should go. We we are financial voyeurs. That is our new official title. Oh god! Forget basic bitches. Financial voyeurs. That's what we're calling. Sounds fancy. Come up with that at the beginning of. In fact, I might just be down to include that in every single post episode thing for the rest of history <laughs> amazing name cream
2: all right any parting words nope don't forget to challenge your views trust the data be open-minded and don't listen join to brent
1: subscribe to our patreon and... yeah, then, oh, He says, don't listen to brent
0: right as i say to join our discord come on in <laughs>
2: listen brent listen to brent
0: all right guys
1: have a good one see ya